Good morning, Wellspring family and friends. Good morning to those who who are, are new, new to our community, those of you um, who have been here for a while and know our stories and good to be with you all. Um, I'm gonna try to share my screen while I'm talking, so we'll just see how that goes. Um, I just wanna start out, Dan and I were in high school and um, there was this epic, this epic block, uh, blockbuster movie that was uh, came out um, in movie theaters. There I go, I think we should be able to, can y'all see my screen? Thumbs up, if you, yay, you can see them, yay. Okay, so right, we were in high school, Dan and I were in high school when this epic blockbuster movie of the decade came out in movie theaters. Now, who remembers movie theaters? <laughs> oh, we haven't been in one in a while, but um, I'll, I'll be very happy one day to go to one. But the, the movie that came out was the most expensive movie ever made of its time. And it seemed like everyone in our class went to see it. It seemed like everyone in the school went to see it. Even Dan saw it, except for me. Um, it was had two wonderful, beautiful people that starred in it, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Do you know what movie it is? Of course you do. Wait, I have to show you a picture. Dan and I, um, so I, I did not I did not watch the movie, but we were inspired to take this this photo of ourselves from the movie. <laughs> There's our photo from 1999. Um, and the movie, the movie was Titanic, if you haven't guessed by now. I guess um, my heart went on without watching it. <laughs> okay, show of hands, who's seen, who's seen Titanic? Did we do that already? I'm trying to see your hands. Okay, it looks like a bunch of hands there, not me. Um, because it's been out for so many years, I think it's not a spoiler alert to tell you that it doesn't end so well, um, or so I've heard because I've not seen it yet. Apparently there's love, loss, and heartbreak, and not everybody makes it through the shipwreck in one piece. Now, if you've been, um, if you've been joining us here at Wellspring for the first time or maybe the first time in a while, um, just want to let you know that we finished a sermon series, uh, our summer sermon series last week on the cross of Jesus called Cruciformed. And in that, in that series, we talked about the really big things of life, justice, sin, hope, the afterlife, the renewal of all things. And we looked at it through the lens of Jesus's cross as if the cross was a sort of window by which we could look into the world, look into um, our own lives, look into the life of Christ and who we are called to be. The series is up on YouTube. Um, if you want to listen again to a particular message or two, if you had any questions about it. But today um, we're transitioning away from that series and we're turning our eyes to this present moment right here as we get ready to move in our 20th anniversary weekend. We get ready to move to that. We're turning our eyes to the challenges of this day. And today we're going to be examining a rather dramatic story in scripture and seeing through it how the Holy Spirit can invite us um, to move forward. So like, like Titanic, it is a story of a shipwreck. <laughs> but unlike Titanic, there's no romance in it. It has a, a different end. <laughs> it ends a little differently. So if you have your, your Bibles or the worship notes, which I think are available online, some of them have been emailed, um, you can turn in scripture to Acts chapter 28. I'm just going to give you a little bit of context for the shipwreck. Um, Paul is, is a key leader in the movement of the Jesus way. This is before they were known as Christians. And Paul is in custody of the Roman Empire because of his beliefs. And he's waiting to be heard by the highest court in Rome. 
And as he's waiting to be heard, as he's in custody, God's ministry of healing and reconciling is continuing through him wherever he goes to whoever he's talking to. And so finally, he gets he gets a hearing with Caesar, who's like the highest, highest um, political um, leader of their day. He gets a, a meeting with Caesar, but he has to get there first. So in order to get to Rome, he ends up on a boat in Crete during a bad time of year to be sailing. And he's a prisoner, so he doesn't get a lot of say about what boat to take or when to be sailing. And he's there with his jailer, a Roman centurion, and he's there with his friend Luke, who's a doctor and writer. And Luke is the one who wrote the books of Luke and Acts in scripture. So Paul, Paul warns them that this is not a good time of year to go sailing, right? He doesn't have a lot of say as a prisoner. So they're forced to board the boat and before long, they're slammed by a brutal hurricane. And that is where our text picks up today. Luke is writing this. He kept a rather detailed ship's log. So um, your text is gonna be kind of long today, but let's get right into Luke's account. Before long, a hurricane strength wind known as a northeaster swept down from Crete. The ship was caught in the storm and couldn't be turned into the wind. So we gave into it and it carried us along. After sailing under the shelter of an island called Cauda, we were able to control the lifeboat only with difficulty. So they brought the lifeboat aboard and then began to wrap the ship with cables to hold it together. Fearing they might run aground on one of the sandbars of the Gulf of Sirtis, they lowered the anchor and let the ship be carried along. We were so battered by the violent storm that the next day, the men began throwing cargo overboard. On the third day, they picked up the ship's gear and hurled it into the sea. When neither the sun nor the moon appeared for many days and the raging storm continued to pound us, all hope of our being saved from this peril faded. What a disaster. Here they are stuck in the clutches of, of not just a storm, but a hurricane the forces of something far beyond their control. Their ship, which is a vessel built for the purposes of carrying them into a good future, their ship is threatening to break up and they're doing everything they can to hold things together, hoping it will blow over soon. But as the days go by and the storm continues in a blur of stress, chaos and uncertainty, their hope began to fade. Friends, have you ever felt like that? You're in a situation that feels not just like a storm, but a hurricane. Things that felt stable and secure and dependable no longer feel that way. Rather, they begin to break apart. You might have started out the situation feeling kind of optimistic, might be trying to make it work. But after so many days of being battered by the violent storm, your hopefulness, if you're really honest with yourself, is beginning to fade. Or maybe if you're honest with yourself, you'd say that your hope faded a long time ago and you're just in a state of resignation. Well, it is what it is. And then instead of things getting better, they get worse. Have you ever felt like that? I have, I have. Well, in our story for today, right, Luke is giving this very detailed account. And as he gives us account, I, I wonder why. I think maybe he's inviting us to think upon our own shipwreck stories, right? As we hear about the wind, the rain, the attempts to save the boat, the worries of, of when it would end, how they would make it through. Was he perhaps inviting us to reflect and think about the ways we've tried to save the things we've built to carry us into the future too? Each time I read this, I think that. And as I read this account of the end of the boat, but of the continuing of Paul's story and the stories of everyone aboard the boat, there's a few principles I think we can pull out to help you and I in the stories of our shipwrecks too. Because friends, shipwreck 
happens. <laughs> Did you get that? Shipwreck happens. It does. That's what we're looking at today. That should be a bumper sticker, shouldn't it? Shipwreck happens. It should. Now, before we get to number one in your notes, let me just say that Wellspring as an entity, right, as a family, we are no stranger to shipwreck. Right, 12 years ago, Wellspring went through its own disruptive and deeply painful rift. Its friendships and working relationships and finances were stretched to the breaking point. And our ship didn't make it. We broke apart. We had to be remade again. We named that period of the time of, of, our, of our church, we named that as a shipwreck. Or Pastor Dale called it. We, it's a shipwreck. And um, I'm, I'm delighted to share with you that Wellspring, we are not in that shipwreck now. We're not experiencing that kind of personally painful, disruptive shipwreck, right? Your, your pastors, we love each other. We're committed to truth and kindness. Your leaders are meeting regularly. They care about you. We have good communication. Our finances are on track. We're, we're doing okay. But we are in a shipwreck. Shipwreck of normal. Shipwreck happens. We're in one right now. Not the same one as before, the different one. I'm slightly comforted by the story of Paul, who himself went through like three different shipwrecks, and each were different. He survived each one. Friends, when COVID first hit our state, um, I was hoping we could just kind of hunker down for a few months and it would blow over. But this Sunday marks 17 and a half months of doing online church. That's a long storm. This month marks the third school year impacted by COVID as our teachers, staff, administration, students, parents, guardians, grandparents, all caught up in the storm of epic proportions. This is the second year of our travel bans and restrictions where people are unable to visit family members and friends in different parts of the world because of this pandemic. Whatever you think might be the cause or the cure, the truth is we are in a storm right now. The waves and wind are battering us back and forth and we are experiencing the shipwreck of normal. As of Friday this week, ICUs in Ireland are completely full. Every single bed was filled. Our oxygen use is up by 250%. Life is not normal anymore, friends. We've all been impacted in different ways by this pandemic, some big, some small. Some of you have lost loved ones, parents, friends. Some of you might be wrestling with your faith as you look and see how other Christians are acting in ways that really look unkind or selfish, experiencing that as a shipwreck. Some of you, um, and I've been in this camp, just want things to get back to normal. We're just trying to kind of hunker down and hope it goes away. But whatever our personal opinion is, whether you think it's overblown or not, the truth is this hurricane's not over. The waves keep coming. The surges keep splashing. And if UH scientists and doctors' projections are right from the University of Hawaii, we can expect another two to three years of this, if not more. Normal has been shipwrecked. We have ministries here at Wellspring that we've put on hold the last 17 and a half months, like our youth ministry. And frankly, we're going to have to re-examine how we lift up and come alongside our youth, how, how we do church together, because we can't just hold our breath and hope this will all blow over and we can go back to the way it used to be. Normal has been shipwrecked. Now, I'm not saying this to scare you, but just to state the reality facing us, right? Discerning accurately where we are, being able to lament that, mourn that. 
is the first step, right, towards being able to feel, to be able to feel what's going on. And from there, from that lament, that deep embodied lament, being able one day to dream and design and do again in new, fresh ways, as Pastor Dale would put it. It's important to name this moment. And in, in Paul's day, in his shipwreck, although they were caught in an impossible situation, the Apostle Paul took time to encourage his community and to name the present moment. They were in a shipwreck. The boat wasn't going to make it. But unlike the story of the Titanic, they were all going to survive. Let's, let's look at what Paul said to, to his friends and the crew there. This is right in the next verse from where we stopped earlier, Acts 27, verses 21 through 25. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up. From among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and thereby avoided this damage and loss. <laughs> I love Paul. He literally couldn't resist putting a shoulda, coulda in there. <laughs> Which reminds me, when we're in shipwrecks, we're often not our best, most gracious self. So here he is. He couldn't resist the shoulda. You should have listened to me. But here comes the encouraging part. Paul, Paul ends well. I urge you now to keep up your courage, Paul says for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. There will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Man, Paul, he is so human. He moves from this little point of frustration, you should have listened to me, to message of hope. You're gonna make it through. I think today, you know, I just wanna encourage you with the rest of your pastor team, Although we are in a shipwreck, we could say that Wellspring is in one, right? The ways we've known and done church breaking apart. We are going to make it. We are going to survive. We're going to make it through. Although the future that we imagine for ourselves, right? The ways that we've built and done ministry, our boat, so to speak, might not make it. We're going to have to create new ways. So a couple of principles from this text moving into number one. When shipwrecked, number one, stay together day together. Right, so Paul heard from God there was going to be no loss of life among them, just the loss of the ship. But a few, a few verses later, we find out that on the 14th night of the hurricane, the, the sailors got spooked and they decided to jump ship with the life raft. They lowered it on ropes to get it to go into the water. They're getting ready to bail. And here we go with verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and set it adrift. So here they are. Paul says, we're all going to survive. We're going to make it through. Just the ship's not going to make it. And then after it gets really bad, um, the crew decides to bail. <laughs> they, they decide to bail. They get their life rope ready. And, and Paul lets them know that their survival is tied together, that they're interconnected in ways maybe they hadn't thought about before. They were going to survive. They were going to survive by staying together. And I think this is a good principle that holds true in the rest of the shipwrecks of our life, right? When the ways we've known and done life are breaking up for better or worse, we're better together as we stick together, as we know that the ways we can thrive are tied in with our connections with each other. Now, in Paul's story, I mean, it makes sense that the sailors wanted to go do their own thing, right? They're a close-knit group. They've been through storms before. They trust each other. There's all these newcomers in the boat. Who knows what they're, you know? Who who knows? They don't know the boat like they do. They know they need, the boat's going to break, they need to get off of it. And it's their boat, right? They have all this grief. And yet their, their ability to be resilient and make it through is interconnected even with the new people on the boat. This makes me wonder, if Wellspring's survival depends on us sticking together, 
what might that look like right now? When we're tempted to bail, what instead can we do? Sticking together is the simplest and yet maybe the hardest principle out of the three total ones we'll look at today. Because in times of shipwreck, we become a little more tribalistic and a little more individualistic. It's just the way we are. It's sort of the fight or flight survival mechanism kicking in. Yet we're invited to see our making it through as tied to each other. Last year, um, I read this article in Forbes magazine. It was right, right when the pandemic first hit, um, first hit our country. And it, they, they tell this anecdotal story of, of Dr. Margaret Mead, and she was an early 20th century anthropologist. And she was once asked in class what she considered to be the first signs of civilization and culture. And the students, you know, they expected Dr. Mead to maybe talk about clay pots or maybe um, tools for hunting or maybe religious artifacts or grinding stones. You know, what are, what are the signs of civilization right, as an anthropologist and archaeologist? Um, you know what she said that to her, the first evidence of civilization was a 15,000 year old fractured femur found in an archaeological site. 15,000 year old fractured femur. The students are like, what? And she went on and she said, um, for those of you who don't know, because I, I don't know, I had to look this up. The femur is the longest bone in the body. It links up your hip and your knee. So in societies without modern medicine, it would take maybe about six weeks or more of rest, complete rest for a broken femur to heal. This means six weeks your community would need to come around you, your community would need to care for you, your community would bring you food and water, they'd hunt for you, they wouldn't break camp, they'd stick with you. So speaking almost 100 years ago to her class, Dr. Mead invited her students to see the growth of humanity is tied to our commitment to care for each other, to stick with each other, to stay together, especially in hard times, in times of shipwreck, when it seems we have nothing to gain and it might just be easier to bail. So the reflection question I'm inviting you to bring to God this week is, who is my community you want me to stay close to? in this shipwreck. God, in who is my community you want me to stay close to in this shipwreck? I'll just take a moment to think about that. And there's another question on there if you want to think of one concrete thing you could do to connect this faith. But let's just take a moment and think about who's my community. God, who is my community you want me to stay close to? This week, um, the little community of the Stringer family grew by one member because we adopted a furry friend into our family. Here's a picture of her. Um, and she's a three-year-old female cat named Squeaky. She was being rehomed by a loving family um, because she wasn't getting along with the other cats in the family. 
And each one of us really love having her around. Here is Andre petting her. She gets along great with the kids. And um, she especially loves Dan. She loves Prosper Dan. She follows him around the house. She lays on his work papers. <laughs> Here she is on his planner. She's like, oh, you wanted to use this? Not anymore. <laughs> her name is Squeaky. Isn't that a great name? So we're having so much fun with our little squeaky wheel, our little squeaky clean squeaky wheel. So the other day, um, the boys and I, we were playing with her and we were using this old face mask as a toy and has these long sort of like elastic strings. And the boys were, were using the strings to kind of move back and forth and she was swatting and, and grabbing at them. And um, each time, each time she, she, she jumped, we'd kind of tug the elastic free and then she would grab on again. It was kind of hard because she was, she was kind of scrambling. She didn't really know like what to hang on to. And then as she was holding on to it, you know, it wouldn't jump. So she's hanging on and letting go and hanging on and letting go. And she was getting a little frustrated, but it was really funny for us to watch. And this brings us to number two in our notes. When shipwrecked, discern what to let go of and where to hang on. Discern what to let go and where or what to hang on. Sometimes we can be a little like squeaky, just kind of scrambling about. Let's go ahead and, and pick up our story again in Acts 27. Um, so the people aboard the ship, they decided to stick together. I'm going to paraphrase it because it's, man, Luke is, he's a detailed writer. Paul had everybody eat something, right? Because they had just been sort of hanging on, waiting for it to end. And then they realized they actually needed to like eat something. They needed to regain their strength so they could make it through. And then they started letting things go. And actually, they had been letting things go for a while. Um, earlier in the chapter, they had let go of their cargo, right? They had let go of their ship's gear, verse 19. And here in the next part of the passage, after they eat, they dump their grain overboard, all their food, and they cut loose their anchors. That's a lot of things they let go of that normally seem very essential. Makes me wonder, what do you need to let go of to help you be more buoyant in the shipwreck of this moment, in the shipwreck of normal? Dan and I have experienced, uh, like, like many of you, we've experienced lots of shipwrecks in our lives. And um, one of the most painful was the diagnosis of our son, uh, the diagnosis of cancer for our toddler son. And when he was sick, this is back in 2010, when he was sick with cancer, it was a huge shipwreck. And we had to let go of a lot of things that were just feeling like they were dragging us down. And one of those things that we let go of, as I reflect back, we had to let go of our plans. We had plans and envision, visionings for our, our four-person family. You know, we, we thought we knew where we wanted to go in life, what we were going to do, what our family was going to look like. And nothing was wrong with those plans. Just they were unhelpful in that particular moment of that particular shipwreck. I had to let it go so I could be in, in the, the here and now in that really difficult time. And as you and I do our work now with discerning with God in the shipwreck of now, a good question to ask is, God, what things can I let go of that will help me be more buoyant? What things can I let go of that seem necessary, but that actually uh, I don't need right now? That's a good question. You want to take a screenshot of it or jot it down in your notes just to be thinking about this week. And it is on your, your, your sermon notes that have been posted online as well. What things can I let go of? In our story for today, they let go of some things. They also held on to others, right? At the end of chapter 27, um, the centurion sees that it's a really dangerous situation. The ship is breaking up. And starting in verse 43b, the centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land and the rest to follow. 
some on planks and others on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Wow. That's, that's how that shipwreck, how that part of their story came to an end. They held on to parts of the boat that were breaking up that led them to the land. They hung on to the debris that acted as life raft. When our son Vincent was diagnosed with cancer, I remember I felt like so many things in my life and in my faith were falling apart. And for a while, I had a really hard time reading scripture. I just, I couldn't read, couldn't really study it. Um, but one thing I could hold on to from the wreckage of our life, I could hold on to prayer, right? Even when the prayer came out, it shouts or yelling in the car. Um, I would just drive by myself and yell. Or when it came out as quiet desperation, when I had no more words left to say, I couldn't formulate the words. Um, the practice of prayer, even when it was just sitting in silence with God, sometimes resentful silence. Um, a practice of prayer helped me, helped me float to the other side. And this makes me wonder, you know, um, what, what might we need to hold on to, right, right now to help us float and get to shore, right? And in the story, parts of the shipwrecked boat got them to shore, right, even though the boat was broken apart. And then when they got to shore, they built a big fire and they burned it to stay warm because it was freezing. They were absolutely freezing. So parts of the boat were able to get them to shore and to sustain them enough where they could, so they could go into the next part of their journey, the next part of their adventure, the next part of their voyage. And this, I, I, this makes me wonder for Wellspring, what part of our past shipwrecks might be used to fuel new ways of being together, new ways of, of going into this new, this new season of Wellspring? What parts of our, of our, shipwrecks might be used to illumine the new ways God has for us moving forward. I don't know, but I wonder, and I'm going to be chewing on that. I invite you to wonder with me. In our, in our own lives, let's be asking Holy Spirit for discernment. So we're not scrambling about like our sweet cat, sweet cat squeaky, um, who doesn't know what to hold on to and what to let go of. We can ask this week, God, what will help me make it to the other side? I need to keep hold of. What will help me float to shore? I'm going to take a screenshot. God, what will help me make it to the other side? Take a moment and think about that. This brings us to number three in your notes. We've already looked at when shipwrecked, stay together, discern what to let go, where to hang on. Third thing in your notes, when shipwrecked, remember that it's about the voyage, not the vessel. Remember it's about the voyage, not the vessel. Right, when it feels like our hopes have been dashed, normal is shipwrecked, God's mission to heal and renew and reconcile the world continues. Like Paul, I love that when, when he, when he gets to the island, you know, after he warms up from the really cold weather, the first thing he does is he goes and heals, he heals one of the kapuna of the island. He goes and he heals the chief official's father who's very ill. And this opens the floodgates. And you can just imagine that night, you know, everyone's already like up because 
there's a shipwreck and people are coming to shore and there's a huge fireball. The whole town is out there watching and helping. You know what they do? They bring all their sick people to Paul and God heals them through Paul. I think that's kind of beautiful. It's an epic moment. Church history tells us that the chief official's father who was healed that night became the first bishop of Malta, the first church leader there. And there is significant archaeological evidence for the island's wholesale embrace of the way of Jesus. Because it's not about the boat, friends. It's about the mission of God that continues even when our boats break, even when our shipwreck happens, even when the vessels break up. The voyage goes on. And friends, over the course of our life, we build and we board ships for ourselves that can sometimes break up in the storms of life, right? Marriages can destruct. Workplace situations, even churches revealed as toxic. We have health crises that can break apart the future that we've envisioned for ourselves. Retirement plans jeopardized. In the shipwrecks of life, we can feel our trust and our hope fading. But our voyage with God's good intentions for us, for our neighbors, for our communities and families, and for every peoples of the world to bring us home to each other and to God. That voyage continues. The shipwreck didn't stop Paul's healthy being or doing because it wasn't about the vessel for him. It was about the voyage. Reflection question for us today might be, God, how might the setback of this current shipwreck Help me lean into new expressions of your ongoing healing and reconciling work. How might the setback of this current shipwreck help me lean into new expressions of your ongoing healing and reconciling work? These are big questions. I invite you to sit with them this week. Take a picture of them. Take a moment to write it down and jot some notes before we conclude. As we name our current reality, a ship has been wrecked, maybe many ships wrecked. As Wellspring leaves normal behind, as we stay together through the shipwreck and head for shore, just want to invite you to take time to sense the presence of our caring creator God. Who's with us? whose underlying current of goodness and faithfulness carries, even as we're swirling about in the waters of chaos and change and loss and grief, God's underlying current of faithfulness brings us through. We might be immersed in waters that feel unhealthy, unhelpful, and scary, yet we are immersed in something much larger, and that is the current of God's goodness the current of God's creative faithfulness, the current of God's presence here with us in the shipwreck of life. God is with us. Emmanuel, Jesus is here. 
Although God grieves with those who mourn, God is not afraid or surprised, confused or deterred. Because God's presence has always worked through the storm. In the chaos of waters, his creator, God, breathed life into the universe. And that same spirit of God is given to us, the church, the presence of Jesus in the world. Although normal has been shipwrecked, that's okay. Some of you never really wanted normal anyway. Let's pray. God, thank you for holding us in every season of life perhaps even especially in our shipwreck. May your Holy Spirit speak your divine words of life. May you be with us as we grieve, lament, and mourn. May you shepherd us through this to see the voyage that we are on with you, the good one, your mission to heal and reconcile the world. Bring us along, Lord. Find up our wounds. May your spirit breathe your creative life into us. Now, we need you. We ask all our prayers in the name of Jesus.